Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Enterprise Linux Security. I'm here, as always, with Zhao. How are you doing? All good, Jay. Thanks for having me again. No problem. It's always great to have you. And we need to talk about some security stuff. And today we have, did you say, is it like 10 different examples of um, security done wrong? Yeah, uh, not so much about security done wrong, but the results of security being done wrong or just people right. being complacent or whatever. Um, but yeah, we usually talk about how you need to take care of your security and your systems and all that. But it's hard to get across the message of the implications of not doing it right and not right. doing it on time. And this type of lists, even if it has that SEO type of article name, the 10 biggest uh, breaches on healthcare systems or healthcare, uh, healthcare data, um, they do shine a light on that. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll go over them and we'll show the numbers and we'll talk a bit about each of them. Um, but again, to, to emphasize the point that doing security when you're not doing it correctly, it does bring about consequences and you should be wary of them. It's not just something that, oh, I'll do it whenever or whenever I right. feel like it or whenever I have the opportunity. Not doing it on time does have consequences. Right. Absolutely. And I think that in some ways, healthcare breaches are especially scary because there's a, I mean, it's not just personally identifiable information, although there is mm -hmm. that. It's also, I mean, it's healthcare. People depend on healthcare. So I feel like that's in some ways the worst thing to target because that's more than just, I mean, obviously stealing someone's identity is bad, but I mean, someone could like have bad health because they can't get services because of some reason or a worst case scenario, maybe some system gets shut down that they rely on. So there's some very serious consequences here. Um, one thing I'll mention is... Um, I think this is just general advice, not specific to this. If something makes you nervous, if you're a system administrator and something makes you nervous, like, oh, gosh, this looks kind of weak over here. Um, let somebody know if it's not your job to fix it and document that you let someone know about it. Because um, if your company's ever on the news for the wrong reasons, it's like, yeah, I told them like five different times that they needed to fix this. And I made it very clear. Um, definitely. Um, understand that you know you don't want to be the weakest link here you want to make sure you're looking at these things and i think some of these examples will help some people understand like some of the like you said the consequences that can happen for not taking this seriously yeah absolutely and going to your point there will be scapegoats on each of these breaches somebody who is getting fired over this um Right. You, you don't want it to be you uh, so do cover whatever you're doing do document the things that you do i deployed patches on this day i performed these maintenance tasks on these systems yep. keep that uh, documented yep. and i hate giving this advice because i always thought it was silly but send it through email so that there's a, a actually a track record that you can point to don't just go it over the phone with someone actually leave it in written form and have some yes. way of uh, going back to it yep let, let your manager know about it and um email that individual yeah. keep a little note for yourself you know i sent so and so an email mm -hmm. at this time and date so you know like what the uh, metadata is for getting back to that email yeah and um that'll definitely help and i personally hate giving this advice uh, i always thought that people should be able to trust each other when they're doing the job but eventually you will get burned if you don't so <laughs> 
try to avoid it to take the advice and leave a, a written trail of whatever activities you're doing. It's it will be better for you in the long run. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I wish this wasn't true. And I don't want to shed negative light on the industry or the job, but we're just kind of calling it what it is. And yeah. um, part of our job is to educate and make people aware of how it actually is in the enterprise. Mm -hmm. So with all jobs, no matter how awesome and fun they are, there's going to be these few quirks that you have to deal with. And keeping a track record or some kind of log of what you're doing is just one of those things. And that's probably true of many jobs outside of IT all the same. So it's oh, probably not even specific. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. This isn't IT specific. It's just that it's more noticeable on IT, on right. some aspects of IT. Yeah. And then um, we look forward to System Administrator's Appreciation Day because that's when um, <laughs> not a bunch of people contacting us because there's an issue. It's like, oh, how are you? Here's a gift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for that. Um, okay. So is there a particular story that you wanted to start with? Because essentially we have the 10, according to this article, the 10 biggest healthcare data breaches of the year. Yeah. Um, regarding the number of affected uh, people on each breach. Right. And in total, this is over 40 million individuals that were, uh, whose information was exposed out of these breaches. And this is a US specific list. So these institutions, these companies that we will be mentioning, and this is already publicized. The list was published on the 30th of November by healthitsecurity.com. We will probably have a link somewhere after on the, mm -hmm. on the YouTube video. But yeah, we will go over the list that they published because again, these are the, the largest ones, but by no means they are the only ones and we will only be focusing on healthcare institutions this time. This is not specific to healthcare companies. There have been lots of breaches on other industries. GoDaddy, for example, exposed a million, over a million registries, um, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a few days, depending on whenever you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this happens on all industries. We just happen to have this list handy, and this showcases most, most of the issues that uh, that affect all industries on, and IT. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so keep that in mind, even if you're not in healthcare, um, yeah. it doesn't matter. You, you can still have some of these issues going on. So Absolutely. Uh, healthcare just means it's a little bit worse in some ways, but doesn't mean that it's um, unique. Yeah. Okay, so uh, out of those 40 million, the, the first one and the largest one by number of impacted individuals with three and a half million individuals impacted is the Florida Healthy Kids Corporation. Interesting name there. Yeah. And they announced this breach on January 29th of this year. And uh, apparently the, the data regards the years of 2013 to 2020. And it was exposed because the, the health plan website was targeted in a cyber attack. Uh, yeah, with a name like Florida Healthy Kids Corporation, you obviously have children's health information there. And with that children's health information, it comes things like social security numbers, birth dates, names, addresses, financial information of the parents, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and all of those things, um, when taken in context, just of this breach alone can lead to people abusing your identity, people using your information to create fake accounts or trying to get uh, credit ratings or all that. It's so very important on the, on the US. Um, 
on the yeah. US landscape more so than in other places but uh, having people's social security numbers uh, full names addresses all that they can impersonate you basically absolutely and i think we should spend some some you know put some special attention on the social security number i mean you just you just did that but um even more so because that's the first thing that kind of worries me here the most is that these are kids obviously judging by the name of the um company i would assume they're dealing with children and now that might mean that these kids social security numbers are leaked out and somebody could steal their identity before they even have an identity of their own i mean if you yeah. think about that for a minute because um if obviously they're not going to be 18 but what i'm hoping doesn't happen is that on their 18th birthday they get a delinquent credit card notice or something like that because a bunch of uh, accounts were opened in their name and and they didn't do anything with it so I mean, the social security number, the reason why it's so bad is it's not like your email ID where you could just delete your email account and get a new one. You can't regenerate your social security number. That's it. You're done. That's the only one you're going to get. So it's not like they could just regenerate a new one and, and you know, protect themselves that way. So um, that is, in my opinion, especially egregious about this. Yeah. And there is another aspect that's very important here. This information, once it's leaked and it's distributed somewhere it stays out there whatever lands on the internet it's probably going to stay there forever you'll eventually be able to find it on mirrors or something like that and more than that it's going to let attackers aggregate the data with future breaches or existing breaches so they will be able to create a, a profile like facebook has of you they right. will be able to create it with just the data from the breaches so at some point they will know as much about you as probably facebook does with all of their data points or google or something like wow. that and they will be collecting this information over multiple sources of because you don't have your information in just one place it's not like you only have your social security number or your full name or your address here on this corporation or on this system you'll probably have it on dozens of other places yep now they have a way to match information from one bridge to the other and they can increase it and enhance it and get a, a better understanding of who you are and target you better yeah another uh, thing too is that december in the united states at least we are you know, it's the end of the year everywhere, but it's the end of the tax year here. So starting in January, people could file their taxes to get a tax return. And one element of fraud that we deal with is that um, if you don't put some kind of a pin lock on your account or something like that, somebody could file a tax return for you into their bank account and you don't get the money. And th these items here, I mean, yeah, these are kids are not filing tax returns, but um, there's probably adults in there too that... Um, now they they they're robbed of their um you know tax return and and that's incredibly common and and the first one is about kids the rest of them um i don't think are specific to kids so um that's a very common thing to go after so overall this is really bad yeah and three and a half million records come on that's a lot of individuals right <laughs> it's a lot of information and again this is something that's going to be out there basically forever you won't be able to get rid of this um once it's publicized somewhere publicized somewhere once it gets onto darknet it gets traded and it gets uh, sold or whatever copies will be left somewhere you won't be able to put the genie back in the bottle right um 
And apparently this all started with the, the website, the, the health plan website being part being the target of an attack. And while we don't have the specific details of that cyber attack, um, yeah, it happens. And some, some websites are attacked and others are attacked and not breached because they are more resilient or they have better security measures in place. Without knowing the full details of the attack on this one, it's a bit tricky to criticize it one way or another, but right. something failed somewhere and it failed spectacularly. So either the information was right there on the website for them to take with the security vulnerabilities or getting into the website meant that they could then get into yeah. another system after that down the chain. So it's probably one or the other. Yeah, probably from the website, they jump to the database or to some other API endpoint, endpoint inside the network or something and were able to access all the data. And yeah, one of my biggest pet peeves is that a lot of these apps out there, they... Um, they actually have the database credentials in a flat file in plain text. Um, I mean, the thing is, yes, it is root protected. You, you have to have access to the root account. But as soon as you're able to switch to the root account, you can get that database password and the endpoint URL and the port number, all the, all the stuff you need just to start um, doing a MySQL dump or whatever, and you're done. And you have everything right there. Um, and it's so easy to do that. Um, I'm not telling anyone to do this, obviously, but it's like a MySQL dump. I mean, you, you can Google how to do that. It's very easy to do. Yeah. And um, with that information often in plain text files, that, that really scares me. Um, two notes here. Um, first, getting three and a half million yeah. records should have raised the red flag somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, you either should have noticed the, the spike in traffic or this should have been done in a very long period of time where you should have noticed that you had repeated the requests for the information. And somewhere, some system should have flagged this as malicious behavior before it reached this point. Right. Um, the other note is that even when they're not using uh, database credentials and you're accessing them as root as you just described, some applications are designed to use um, hidden API endpoints, but they're only hidden until somebody looks at the code or looks at the configuration file or whatever, and right. then it's right there and you can use it from a browser somewhere. Um, it's not the, the right way to secure this. Um, right. Yeah, and three and a half million individuals will have their information out there basically forever. Wow, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, three and a half million, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh boy. So the next one we want to talk about is especially unique because this company apparently was using Amazon Web Services or AWS, a cloud provider. I mean, sure, most of you know what that is, but um, they might have thought that by putting things on the cloud, they were especially protected. But um, the next one is 2020 iCare Network at three, just over 3.2 million individuals that were um, a part of that. Uh, yeah. And this one has that particularity that you just mentioned. Out of the 10 in this list, this is the only one that's uh, cloud-based. The, the, the breach happened on a cloud-based system. And uh, there are two aspects to this again. First, even if it's running on the cloud, if it's hosted on the cloud, if you're running a, a virtual machine on the cloud or whatever, where you're hosting this system, it's still your responsibility as the IT person on the company to take care of that system. Your your cloud provider will not do that for you. Um, 
whether it's a non-premises system or it's on the cloud, you have to keep it patched, you have to keep it secure, and it's your responsibility to do that. Everything that happens inside that VM, it's on you. You cannot expect your cloud provider to do that. You either have it on your patch uh, management systems as any other system, or you have some rotation in place where you destroy the, the VM on a specific date and recreate it from an update uh, image that your cloud provider has. But either way, it's something that you should have managed. Uh, you cannot leave that to, to third parties. Right. Probably on this case, it was just a leaky bucket, which is uh, an unprotected database stored on AWS somewhere, which happens all the time again. And this was apparently on earlier this year. So yeah, it was, I could bet you another leaky bucket. Right, probably something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, an, that's the main thing there with that. Um, when it comes to cloud, it, it seems like a lot of people seem to confuse cloud with managed services. So with a managed service, you are paying another company to take care of it for you. Like maybe your system administration team, you just don't have enough people or enough resources there. So you just have a particular app moved over to them and then they take care of everything for you. Um, so you're not just paying for the hosting, you're paying for the, the services they provide. But with a cloud provider, you're essentially just using someone else's data center. It's still, like you said, your responsibility. You need to patch your servers and, and protect them. Um, Amazon calls that the shared responsibility model. They make it very clear in the documentation that, you know, whose responsibility that is. But of course, people probably aren't reading that. And a lot of this is just assumption. I don't know what the company knew or didn't didn't know, but it's often the case that people do mistake managed services and cloud providers, unfortunately. Um, yeah. As to the information that was leaked, it was against... Um... Social security numbers, name, addresses, birth dates, health insurance information. And they had something else here. The information could have been exposed or deleted. This means right. there could have been changes to the data. Um, and this is even more insidious. If somebody breaches a database and instead of stealing all the information, they just change some numbers inside of it. They just uh, say, for example, change uh, the bank account number or something like that. That can take longer to, to spot, and that can have even far-reaching consequences because people could stop receiving their payroll. They could be it could be sent to some right. other account somewhere. Um, this we don't know if this happened in this case or not, but having information being changed is almost as dangerous or even more dangerous than just being stolen. Right. Yeah. So there's some missing information in a lot of these that. I would love to be able to go through like the order of operations for like, you know, first the attacker did this and then they did that. Yeah. But information is pretty limited here. So um, we basically know what we have in the article and, um, yeah, you know, it's basically. cloud, but yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, this, this list can be compiled because there has been, first, because there have been so many breaches in the news lately and it's healthcare information and it's important. And there is regulation that stipulates that this type of breaches have to be made public. Either it's the HIPAA uh, compliance thing that has to be yep. met by HIPAA. these companies, HIPAA. Yep. Um, this type of information has to be made public. And earlier this year, there has been another presidential um, 
decree, presidential order, I don't know the exact name that you guys give it there in the US, but there is uh, something that President Biden has ordered that uh, mandates that even on non-healthcare, uh, that information now has to be made public as well. And there is a specific deadline where when you spot a system that has been breached on your organization or you had a cyber attack or something like that, you have to inform someone about that. You have to let people know that this happened. Mm -hmm. um, because oftentimes uh, companies would just hide it and uh, brush it off and nobody talks about it. It didn't happen, business as usual. Uh, now it has to be made public. And probably this list is one of the results of this type of information being made public. And you can probably expect this to be expanded or new articles to come up on other industries. Wow, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah, that's just that just goes to show you there's just all kinds of different elements here, um, different factors, and you know the cloud aspect of it is, um, you know, it, I don't feel like this is going to be the last time we're going to hear of a cloud or a company that uses cloud having an issue because I think that's just um, an accident waiting to happen if they're not taking that seriously and there's mm -hmm. extra responsibility there for sure. Yeah, and um, we also have. Forefront Dermatology, which seems to be at the forefront for giving unauthorized <laughs> access to information on their network. Yeah, absolutely. Um, apparently, they call it an unauthorized party, and they say that it had access to their IT network and accessed files with names, birth, birth dates, patient account numbers, addresses, the, the usual type of things. Um, they do say that it, they found evidence that only a small number of patient information was uh, specifically involved. But this small number here still amounts to two, almost two and a half million records. And if that is a small number, and in context it may very well be, you can imagine the full scope of this if it had been let, uh, let run its full course or if we are being told the whole truth about the, the affected records, because this is something that is even, it's hard to track down as after the fact. You either have some type of auditing system that lets you know after a fact which files were accessed at which point, and this isn't trivial to configure properly. If you've ever managed the file server for thousands of users, you will realize the, the, the issues here with uh, actually auditing all the accesses and file changes and whenever things get accessed and deleted and all that. It's a huge amount of information. It's not very manageable. Right. And after a time, you have to recycle it because it will take too too much space. So, yeah, this is the the information that they say they know they have evidence for that was accessed, um, and we have to take their word for it, obviously. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is another concern. If you're managing uh, large uh, file servers or any file server of any size, actually, uh, look into auditing services or auditing software, something that can keep a track of what files were accessed by which users and at what point what was done to the files if they were created, deleted, modified, and yep. keep timestamps of that. It's also important for IT security. Yeah, and, and some... Uh, some uh security credentials or um, actually certifications require you to have such just uh, systems in place. And mm -hmm. I would uh, wonder if that was a requirement here too with HIPAA, but that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's very true. You want to know when things are accessed, what was done to those files. Yep. And um, it, it's interesting that it looks like the attacker or the outside party took their network offline as part of this as well. 
So that could mean they downloaded a bunch of information, took it offline or whatever they did to the information. And then they just, you know, turn everything off. So uh, yeah, I can't connect to anything here. Yeah, we've been I, breached. I, I don't know if it was the attacker that took it off or if it was the, the IT team that realized they were being breached and decided to take their systems oh, offline right. as a security yep. precaution. Um, because what you see on movies when you have the the, the IT team and the, the hackers trying to get in and everybody is typing furiously at their keyboards trying to stop something from happening, it doesn't have to be that way. You go to the cable where the, the access is coming in and you unplug it and access right. stops. I've, I've done that. I have yeah. literally done that for that reason. I've I've disconnected something because I thought that it could have been... Um, We're being attacked. We don't know so, which systems and plug everything and look. Yeah, just just disconnect outside access yeah. altogether and you're done. Um, yeah. And look at your VPN connections too. Any persistent VPN connections, drop all of them. Yeah. And shut your VPN server down. <laughs> and wow. this is actually something that you should keep track of. Uh, what do I need to, to do to, to take everything offline? In case of an emergency, what steps do I need to take to ensure that all connections are dropped, that all systems are shut down correctly and nothing gets lost in the in the process. Um, you should have a, a you should have this operation written down. You should have either some way of doing it automatically at the press of a button or just right. uh, the the process detailed on a document somewhere that you can refer to and use it in a situation like this. If you notice that the system is having uh, a much higher than expected load or that you see records being accessed when they shouldn't or something like that on your database, take it offline by as a precaution. Um, it's probably better than showing up in a list like this afterwards. Yep, definitely agreed. So what else do we have on our magic list of uh, intrusions here? We have a very fun name here, Capture X. Um, capture, I think it's RX. Capture, uh, capture RX, R yeah, X-Ray. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they had uh, something that they announced in February, a, a data breach as well, and uh, 1.6 million, approximately a bit over 1.6 million records. And this is specifically insidious again because they are an IT vendor that helps healthcare systems manage uh, drug programs. You can expect them to be having a lot of work in the current environment. So, <laughs> yeah, having an attack that uh, takes systems offline at a moment like this, it's especially nasty. And having right. records still in, at this moment, other than the, the personally identifiable information, <laughs> which is awful to have exposed, Imagine this. Imagine that the, the breach systems, in addition to the personally identifiable information, also exposed, say, the new drugs that you're working on or the results of the studies that you're doing or if the competitor analysis that you're running is on those systems and it gets leaked. The financial impact of that on a, to a company, it can take it out of business, basically. Right. And, and reputation is especially important with an IT vendor, which they are, yeah. So this would have uh, made, been a major hit to their reputation in the IT space because it's especially egregious if you have if you're an IT company and you're, you're you're you know selling services to other companies, then you yourself have a problem. Then you might find that people aren't so keen on having you help them out anymore. Yeah, as we were discussing before uh, before starting the recording, um, 
in a few years, if you ask anybody what they think of a company, say like Equifax, what do you think is the first thing they'll remember? The bridge. <laughs> yeah, the bridge. Yeah. The, that stain is going to stay with them for basically forever. They should rebrand at some point just to get people to forget about that and the, the association of the name with that bridge. Because this type of, um, of bad publicity, it doesn't go away easily. There's not much you can do. They could try to change their name and hope that no one links the two yeah. or people don't notice. They, I mean, they should change their name anyway because they have the word facts in their name and it's not 1993 <laughs> right now. So um, that's another story altogether though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you recall when um, Cambridge Analytica, when that uh, thing with Facebook came out that those guys were doing some analysis on the data that they shouldn't and assessing data that they shouldn't, mm -hmm. they rebranded, they changed their name, right? The next week or something like that just to to escape this oh boy um, it's a little too soon to change your name i mean that, that's <laughs> too obvious i mean it's almost as bad as comcast being rebranded to xfinity everybody knows it's, it's Comcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah yeah Fun times. now the next one on the list and this is uh eskenazi weird name there Eskenazi yeah, uh, yeah. Hills I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly uh, with a bit over a million and a half this one had the, a different impact um, this led to emergency uh, services being uh, diverted and ambulance being sent away from uh, the their um, basically their hospitals or their clinics or whatever um, so yeah this could have a direct impact on people getting uh, assistance in a timely manner and uh, something like this happened i believe it wasn't this year it was early last year or two years mm -hmm. ago with this thing of staying at home time just dilated um on in germany something similar happened with a ransomware attack and their systems were shut down for a while and somebody had that was arriving at the hospital on an ambulance actually died on the way to the new oh, hospital no. where it was diverted to. So yeah, uh, taking down this type of systems, this has a real impact and this can definitely affect people's health. It's not just uh, something that's uh, hypothetical. It's not something that may happen. This has already happened, this type of, uh, of uh, situation. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just exactly what I was mentioning at the beginning of the recording, because it's, um, you know, if so, if you're in trouble and you, and you need help, you, you want to reasonably rely on the services that are available in your area to help you. And situations like this would uh, potentially complicate that and, and mean that people can't get the care that they need in that moment. Um, I, I just... You know, I, I understand people that steal information, they don't have a conscious, but it's, come on, leave the healthcare companies alone, at least leave the patients alone. I mean, it's horrible to, to do that anyway, but especially when it affects people's lives, it's even worse. Yeah, absolutely agree. And this type of attacks, uh, this type of, um, of information stealing and ransomware attacks, this was a ransomware attack, by the way. Um, this has been growing on recent years, um, basically because the attackers have managed to find a way to more easily monetize the attacks. Um, ever since uh, cryptocurrency was introduced, now they have a way that 
it's not untraceable, but it's much harder to trace to actually get and reap the benefits of the attack that they're doing. Beforehand, they could try to extort some management somewhere on some company, but they would usually be caught pretty quickly. Right now, it's not like that. Right now, right. somebody running a shady business operation on some faraway land can attack your hospital in the middle of the US and require you to pay a ransom to get your systems back. And you pay them and you will they will never be caught, basically. Or they will very hardly be ever be caught. Um, and it's just easier to do for the attackers. So yeah, that's why you're seeing the rise in ransomware. Yep, definitely agreed. On our list as well is my local grocery store chain, of all things. <laughs> uh, here in Michigan, Kro there, there's a Kroger pretty much everywhere in, in some other states in the area as well. So this when I saw Kroger being on here, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know them. Uh, I, I was there just the other day. <laughs> uh, not for medical reasons, though, just for getting some pizza rolls or barbecue chips. I'm not sure which, but um, they're on our list. Yeah, apparently they have a division called Kroger Health and Many Services, and those were the ones that were impacted. Um, it, it was a 1.4 million records as well. I mean, why the hell do you need to store this much information anyway? Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't get that. Millions of uh, records again, and uh, this happened in the middle of the year. And yeah, it's the same type of thing. Lots of people impacted because someone somewhere thought it was a good idea to centralize all the information and then didn't properly store what? it or secure it. Yeah, that's another reason why this keeps happening. Just keep, yeah, just consolidate everything into one place, yeah. make it that much easier for someone to get everything from that one place. <laughs> yeah, the attackers will thank you. I sure will. <laughs> Next one with again a million and four hundred thousand records. It's Saint Joseph's Candler Health System, and they found out that they had the ransomware attack in one of their systems, and it led to emergency systems being down for a while. And yeah, as a result of this, some patients are also filing law, uh, class action lawsuits against them, alleging that they were negligent in preventing the attack which apparently was undetected for six months. Wow. Um, yeah, if you're running a system and it takes you six months to find out that you that you have a ransomware attack in that system, how important is the system actually for you? Well, how important <laughs> is your job? <laughs> yeah, how yeah. important is your job? But if you're not looking at the system for right. six months, even if you're basic maintenance or just checking to see if all the systems are up or something like that, just logging into the system and you don't spot there's a ransomware running there. Um, I don't want to say you're doing something wrong, but you are. <laughs> there's not many ways to, to put this. Not right. logging into a system for six months means that either the system is not important and it shouldn't be on, or you should definitely take a better look at your management systems and find out how that can happen. And to your point, one of the quotes from a lawsuit filing associated with this is, it wasn't a simple software glitch or temporary power outage. It was instead a complete information technology meltdown. Yeah. Wow. They don't mint words at all in that filing. Yeah, <laughs> they're not very gentle there. No. Um, after we go through the list, we'll we'll have some, some comments on how 
how we see this. But uh, let's continue. And mm -hmm. the next one is the University Medical Center, Southern Nevada, with a million and three hundred thousand records. And again, they were victim to revival. This is, this is another ransomware. As you can see, ransomware is ranking pretty high on this list. And mm -hmm. <laughs> the hackers posted photos of passports, social security cards, and driver's license. OK, first question, why wow. were they storing photos of passports and social security cards and driver's license? I mean, um, you can store just the numbers if you need them. You can. And the thing is, at least here in the United States, I don't like this, but it's the way it is, unfortunately. It, everything medical related, they always scan everything. So if I go to a doctor for the very first time, let's just say I moved, or I just changed insurance companies, they're going to ask for the card and I'll watch them do it. They put it in a scanner and they scan it right into the system and all that. So um, passports... I don't know why that would be there unless that was used in place of an identification card or something like that. But that does happen. And it's, I'm, I have mixed feelings. Like the more information you have, the more there is to steal. But then the other thing is there wouldn't be a problem with them storing this information if it was locked down and nobody could access it, which unfortunately um, people were able to do. Um and I have another question about this. Mm -hmm. A million and 300,000 uh, sets of pictures, because it's not, not just one image, it's the oh, passport, boy. social security number. That's a lot of images. That's a lot of data. You don't spot that huge spike of traffic going through somewhere? I have 10,000 pictures, I think, in, in my photos folder. And it's a really sizable folder with yeah. just 10,000 photos on there. So if you think about it, like 1.3 million people times yeah. however many pictures per exactly. person, we're talking 5, 10 million pictures at this point. That's going to be a huge traffic spike, like you were yeah. saying. It, it doesn't matter if this is a university uh, IT team or whatever, and they have lots of traffic all the time. This would show up as a spike any way you look at it. Either the attackers were moving one image every minute or something like that for it not to be noticeable, but then they wouldn't have the time to move so many. Right. Otherwise, this would show up as a huge spike there. You should have been aware... You should have been alerted of this even by your uh, IM system or something like that. Somebody somewhere should have seen this. I think part of the problem is that although IO obviously affects CPU, people generally spend more time checking the memory in the CPU and not so much IO, although yes, IO is going to affect the CPU. So either way you look at it, it's going to be a problem, but it could also be it's, it's no excuse that they're just looking at the wrong things. Or like you were saying earlier with another example, they just didn't care, didn't bother looking. Oh, yeah, they're complaining that the network's slow today. They always complain about that. Moving on, it's lunchtime, and they don't take it seriously. And the next thing you know, um, something like this happens. Yeah, but usually the the routers are in, even not very advanced core routers will have functionality that, alerts you when the traffic that you're seeing is over, I don't know, 80% of right. usual or something like that for an extended period of time. And it would have been in this case. I mean, there are ways to move this amount of data without raising those red flags, but it would take much longer, much, much longer. And this is a tremendously huge amount of records here. If you have two or three images and 
that's probably on the low side for each of the the records like you said this is we're looking at five million images yep you can look at the images you have on your computer right now and imagine how large five million of those would be that's <laughs> a huge amount of data it's a huge amount of data this should be not so yeah i'd be interested to know exactly why it um why they didn't find out or why they didn't notice that yeah that's we can only hope to see a deep dive on an attack like this. Right. Um, okay, and we probably should move through the next ones pretty quickly. It's American mm -hmm. anesthesiology with 1.2 million records exposed. Uh, somebody gained access to their email system. And again, getting access to your email system should not mean that you have access to your medical records. So somewhere, uh, somewhere around there, there was some trust between systems that need, did not need to happen. The, the email service did not need to see the, the files for the, the medical records in any right. way. And then practice first with 1.2 million uh, breach records had another ransomware attack that exposed the personally identifiable information of patients and employees. Um, again, another ransomware attack. Uh, we were talking about um, about this a bit before we started recording. Um, mm -hmm. You should definitely take a good look at the, the best practices on, on securing your environment. And we've gone through them repeatedly on this podcast and you can find information about it basically everywhere you look for it. Um, having patches uh, deployed on time. Uh, <laughs> we at TaxCare, we run a, a survey uh, with the Ponemon Institute. We, we will be releasing this in probably the, the beginning of the next year, we will be making this public, but there are some findings that I can already share with you. And uh, one of the numbers that actually jumps out of the page as soon as, as, soon as I saw the, the, early re, the early numbers coming in from that survey. Um, and this is, this is mind blowing. For important or critical uh, vulnerabilities with patches available, uh, most companies, 60-something percent, are taking over five weeks to deploy patches. Okay, let's mm. go over that again. Five weeks to deploy readily available patches for important or critical vulnerabilities. So I think I understood that as hackers have a five-week grace period to get into your system? Basically, basically, that's what it means. Yeah. If you're taking five weeks to deploy uh, patches against important or critical vulnerabilities, I'm not talking about the ones that uh, take uh, a million steps to be able to be exploitable and you already need uh, physical access to the system or something like that. Right. These are the type of vulnerabilities that are exploited remotely and will get your root access into a system, basically. Uh, it, that's not the, the, the correct definition, but that's basically what they are. Someone can access your systems remotely without physical access, without any previous account there, and they can have access to the information on that system. That's basically the how you define a, a, new, a critical vulnerability. And it takes you five weeks to deploy the patch for known vulnerabilities with that characteristics, then you're doing something wrong. You should right. have those, uh, those patching uh, um, deployments to be prioritized over everything else that you're doing. Whenever you see a critical vulnerability coming down the pipeline and you see information about that, and somewhere on the article that you're reading, it says patches are already available, then you should either schedule a maintenance window today or tomorrow, but mm -hmm. never five weeks from now. 
Right. It I doesn't totally... matter. It doesn't matter what else, what other implications it has. It shouldn't never take five weeks, because like I, you I just agree, said, yeah. those five weeks are five weeks where the hackers also know about the exploit. They are scanning for systems that are vulnerable to that, and they will exploit it and they will try to deploy ransomware or get information out of those systems. And you should never wait so long for for patching. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and one more comment I'll make. This one is actually about American anesthesiology, where their email system was exposed. Um, that should surprise me, but it doesn't. And the reason why is because it happens way too often where I'm subscribing to a service, signing up for a thing, or even medical companies do this too, and I can't understand the logic. Like, um, fill out these forms and email them back. Okay, this form is asking for like my credit card number and social security number. And you want me to send this over regular email? And I will tell them no. And they'll get upset at me, but it, you know, I'm usually a nice person, but when they're asking for something like this over email, uh, it's way too common. And I'll say, I'll literally tell them, you should never ask for this over email. That is a bad thing. You should not do this. And no, I will not send this over email. And if I'm in a really good mood, I might actually um, send them an encrypted email. And then sometime later, give them a phone call and, you know, relay some kind of code to them. But I probably won't, won't do that either because, it, you know, they're probably just going to put it in the same system it was going to end up in anyway. And then, you know, you have the same problem. And that can't be HIPAA compliant um, as far as I know, but that's just not something anybody should ask for. And too many people use email for things they shouldn't be using it for. Yeah, absolutely. And on the point of asking for information, it's like when hackers would will try the, the human exploit first and will try to ask you for, oh, I just need to confirm your data for this account. Can you send me the, the login and password so that I can check something? Mm -hmm. No support anywhere for any system will ever have to ask you for your password. Never, ever, ever give it out. Right. It doesn't happen. If somebody is asking you for your password, it doesn't matter if they say they're your dad or they're your kid that needs money immediately. You don't give them the password. Okay. Right. You find some other way to, to solve the situation, even if you're the one that will have to make the call. Because if you receive a call, oh, we're at bank so-and-so and we're checking the, the, the all the client's data because we had an issue here. I need your account number and your credentials or something for your e-banking. Don't give them the credentials. Call them back. And they will probably tell you, we never did that call. They never never placed that call to you. And yeah, if you take nothing else from this, then that's your information for the day. Um, yep. But yeah, um, take patching seriously. Uh, non vulnerabilities being exploited, it happens. But you should never let systems uh, just sit tight in a corner, just hoping that they will not be breached. They will, and it can lead to being on lists like this. And it's hard to get out. Yeah, it really is. It, the, the effects is like a domino effect of in, in different directions of what this type of thing causes. We've seen it um, time and time again. So, um, yeah, hopefully these serve as examples for, uh, I'm hoping everyone that listens to this podcast takes security seriously. Otherwise, why would they even be listening to it? But if you notice anything that you could be doing better, now is a great time to let the right people know or, or do it yourself if it's your responsibility to do that, or at least document that you've made that recommendation. And um, yeah, take patching seriously. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I think that's everything for this particular episode. Thank you all for watching and or listening. I really appreciate it. 
and we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, see you in the next one.